We are going to be back into Psalm 119 tonight, and we're in the fourth stanza. That's verses 25 through 32. Psalm 119, verses 25 through 32. Dalit is the uh, heading there. Uh, that is the fourth letter in the Hebrew alphabet. If you didn't guess it, it's the equivalent of our letter D. Uh, so Charles Spurgeon, being cute, says we're now in the D stanza, which stands for like depression and despair, uh, and that's what the psalmist exhibits here. He does exhibit depression and despair. The D actually has nothing to do with that. It's just a coincidence. Well, maybe in God's providence somewhere it does, but, but Spurgeon, he has a great way of making um, connections like that. And anyway, it does help set the tone for what we read in this fourth section. Psalm 119, verses 25 through 32 I'll read it for you now. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me, and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. This is God's word for us tonight. Why don't we pray together? Before we work our way through it, our great and awesome God, we do thank You for Your Word um, tonight. We thank You for the freedom we have to study it together. We thank You for the ability we have to study it together. Lord, we ask that You'd be with me. Help me to correctly handle Your Word. Help me to do it in a manner that is faithful to You, that is pleasing to You, and that is edifying to Your people. Lord, be with each of us as we listen. Help us to listen well, to block out those distractions which are so common and uh, just to focus on you for a few minutes. So we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Where is the blessedness I knew when I first sought the Lord? Where is the soul-refreshing view of Jesus and His Word? Those are the words to a, I trust, familiar hymn uh, written by William Cowper. And those words express uh, an experience that is probably familiar to all of God's people from time to time, and it's really the experience of spiritual dryness, where your, your faith just sort of lacks vitality, if you've ever had that. And many believe that the writer of Psalm 119 was perhaps experiencing this spiritual dryness as he wrote this psalm. And one reason people think that, one reason scholars say that, is because of this fourth stanza, the one that we're looking at tonight. Just look at how our text begins. He says at the beginning of verse 25, "'My soul clings to the dust.'" And by that, the psalmist means here that he is, he is keenly aware of his earthly, frail, and unspiritual condition. He is aware that his heart at this moment is, is cold to the things of God. 
And we might just stop there and realize that that itself, that awareness, it is, it is a blessing. Spurgeon says, the serpent's seed can find their food in the dust, but the seed of the woman will never be degraded in this manner. Many people are of the earth and never lament it. Only the heaven-born spirit grieves at the thought of being fastened to this world and trapped by its sorrows and its pleasures. Yet that's where the psalmist is. The psalmist here, he's, he's fastened to the world. He's trapped by the world's sorrows and pleasures, and he's grieved about how unspiritual he is and about how cold his heart is to the things of God. And yet, look what he says next. Look at, look at the request he makes in light of his present condition. He says, give me life according to your word. That is the request he makes at this time. Of course, God's word does give life, doesn't it? We see that in the story of creation. By his word, God calls all that is and all that lives to life. In John 6, 63, Jesus says that the Word of God is spirit and life. God's Word brings life. God's Word enlivens and quickens our souls. The psalmist knows this. The psalmist gets this. And so he prays, Lord, give me life according to Your Word. Revive me according to Your Word. Producing me a vitality again, a spiritual vitality again, according to your word and by your word and through your word. He then says, when I told you of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. That's verse 26. And all the psalmist here is, is saying something like, Lord, we, we've had a good relationship. Lord, we've known great fellowship and Intimacy, I've told you my ways, my ways of sin, my ways of trouble, my ways of desire and delight. I've told you my ways and you've answered me. You've forgiven my sins. You've met my needs. You've remedied my troubles. You've given me that which my heart desires. Time and again, I've told you my ways and you've answered me. And now I'm telling you again that I'm feeling terrible. My soul clings to the dust, and I want life according to your word. So teach me your statutes. Help me understand fuller. Help me understand better. Help me understand more clearly the truth of your life-giving word. In verse 27, the psalmist reiterates his request, and this time he adds an incentive He says, make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. The psalmist here is saying, Lord, if you do, if you do give me life according to your word, if you do teach me your statutes and increase my understanding, I won't squander it. I won't misuse it. No, I'll use that which you give me to further meditate on and ponder and grow in your marvelous truth. There is another way to translate the Hebrew here, um, and it's to translate the word meditate 
as speak enthusiastically. Okay? And that makes sense here too. The psalmist then would be saying, you know, make me understand the way of your precepts and I will, I will speak enthusiastically about them to others. I will, I will tell others of your wonderful works. Either way, he's saying, Lord, Lord, give me life according to your word. Cause me to experience spiritual vitality again, and I, I won't squander that gift. I, I'll use it wisely. I'll use it to pursue even more your word. I'll use it to tell others about your wonderful works. In verse 28, the psalmist returns to his present condition. He says, my soul melts away for sorrow, strengthen me according to your word. The psalmist is not improving. The psalmist to this point is not finding himself feeling any better. And so once again, he cries to the Lord. He says, he says grant me strength according to your word. Perhaps you can resonate with the psalmist's words here, either in, either in verse 25 or now in verse 28. Per, perhaps you know something today of your soul melting away for sorrow. Maybe it's sorrow for sin. Maybe it's sorrow um, over our world, which seems to be growing increasingly wicked and troubled with each passing day. Whatever it is, we ought to look for strength in the same place the psalmist looked. We ought to look for strength in God and, more specifically, in God's Word. Okay, friends, it is, it is in and through His Word that God bolsters up His people. It's in and through His Word that God puts a firm foundation under the feet of His people. It's in and through His Word that God gives His people strength to go on each and every day. Sometimes we call the Word a means of grace. It's a means by which God's grace comes to us. God works with His Word and in accordance with His Word, and certainly we, we see that here in the fourth section of Psalm 119. And so, if you, are, if, you are, if you are experiencing sorrow for sin today, you, you might be strengthened by God's Word as it comes in Psalm 103, which says, God does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. And then one of my favorite lines in all of Scripture, as far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. If you're experiencing sorrow over our world today and over all that's going on in our world today, you might be strengthened by these words from Daniel, blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He, know what, he knows what is in the darkness. He knows what is unknown to us. And the light dwells with Him. Do you see what I mean? There is strength for the people of God in the Word of God. And the psalmist here reminds us of that. His soul is melting away for sorrow. He says, Lord, strengthen me according to Your Word. In verse 29, he says, put false ways far from me. 
and graciously teach me your law. That verse right there makes it seem to me that the psalmist here is probably struggling maybe with his own sin. He's suffering under the weight of his own sin. But what do we learn in this verse ultimately? Well, we we learn that God's law, God's Word is completely antithetical to falsehood. Right? The, psalmist, the psalmist wants his false ways put far from him, and so he asks God to graciously teach him his law, right? You get how that works. Teach me your law, because in teaching me your law, false ways will be put far from me. Okay, God's law, God's Word is truth. Those who want to walk in truth, walk in accordance with God's law. God's law, God's Word, it's completely antithetical, completely opposite of that which is false. We live in a day and age where truth is hard to come by. I believe I lamented this with you maybe a month or so ago, but one of my greatest frustrations these last months is just how pathetic our news sources are, every one of them, you know? They just sensationalize headlines, and then you actually go and read the article, and you're like, that headline has, says absolutely nothing what this article just tells me, right? And, and truth is just so hard to come by, isn't it? And, and we don't know where we can turn for truth regarding issues. And yet one place we can always turn for truth is the Word of God. The Word of God is antithetical to falsehood. Those who practice false ways do not walk in accordance with God's Word, and those who walk in accordance with God's Word do not practice false ways. It's that simple. In verse 30, the psalmist says, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. That word could also be translated truth, and truth is probably a better translation in light of the previous verse. But he says, I have chosen the way of faithfulness or the way of truth. I set your rules before me. And I want us to see now that the psalmist's requests that he has made in the previous verses, they are now accompanied by resolve. That is, the psalmist didn't just say, God, give me life according to your word, and God, graciously teach me your law. But no, he, he also resolved to live according to God's word and God's law. That is, he basically resolved to pursue for himself the very things he asked God for. He says, give me life according to your words. He doesn't go home and you know, sit on his hands and do nothing. No, he, he seeks to live according to God's Word. He resolves to live according to God's Word. Spurgeon says, people do not become holy by wishful thinking. There must be study, consideration, deliberation, and sincere inquiry, or the way of truth will be missed. The commands of God must be set before us like the target to aim at the model to work by, and the road to walk in. If we put God's judgments into the background, we will soon find ourselves going back from them. That's so good. We need to to hear that, right? People do not become holy by wishful thinking. No, as much as we depend on God to make us holy, as much as we depend on God to open up our hearts to His truth and to give us understanding, there must be some deliberate effort on our part to obtain these things. I'm reminded of a time some years ago, um, someone came into my office and said, Pastor, I just, I just don't feel the love of God in my life. I just don't feel the love of God in my life. And I, I knew this person, and 
also knew this person had been in church maybe twice in the past six months. That might even be generous. Wasn't involved any more than that outside of church. And I didn't say this at the time. I said, I, I tried to say this, you know, words sort of come to you later. But the question I, I should have asked was maybe it's because you're not making any effort to live your life in the love of God. I mean, could that be? You, you want God to love you, but then you just sit on your hands. You, you make no attempt to live in His love as you diligently walk with Christ. As you, as you seek to be a part of the people of God on Sunday and love and serve your neighbor throughout the week and, and spend time in prayer. You make, you make no effort to live your life in God's love in Christ. And then you come and you ask, I don't feel God's love anymore. Right now, God's love is not contingent on our effort, right? God's love is found in Christ. But these things we desire, these things we long for, right? They're not just like, we have to seek them out as well, to be deliberate about going after them. And that's what the psalmist does here. He prays to be strengthened according to God's Word, and then he resolves to live his life according to God's Word. We do not obtain Many of God's blessings simply by wishful thinking. Any of God's blessings by wishful thinking, right? The psalmist gets that. He cried out to the Lord to give him life according to his word. He prayed for greater understanding of the Lord's word. Now he resolves to live according to the Lord's word. In verse 31, he says, I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. Remember what he said in verse 25. He said, my soul clings to the dust. And yet, yet even, even as his soul clings to the dust, at one and the same time, now he says, he says my soul clings to God's Word. Right, so we kind of have two things going on here at once, don't we? His soul clings to the dust, and yet he says, I cling to your Word. Martin Luther said that the believer is Simul justus et peccator. Carl's my Martin Luther scholar. I was waiting for him to fill in the blank, but I didn't really give him any warning. At the same time, justified and sinful. The believer is both right with God and sinful in the sight of God at one and the same time, right? It's all sort of happening at, at one and the same time. We see something of that here in this fourth stanza. The psalmist, he, he clings to the dust in his sinful nature. The old man that is alive and that is well within him clings yet to the dust. But the new man, the regenerate man, at the same time clings to God's testimonies by faith. And notice he clings to God's testimonies. That is, that is he, he does not let them go. He, he does not find the, the latest and greatest fad or teaching or theology to take hold of instead. No, he, he clings to God's testimonies. A close friend of mine uh, sent me a sermon last week, and he said, I'm very troubled by this sermon, and uh, I want you to listen to it. And in this sermon... Uh, the preacher said he was standing up in front of my friend's church preaching for my friend, which is why he was troubled. And the preacher said, you know, he was talking about racism, which is fine, 
But you've got to get the gospel right. The preacher said, for white people to be forgiven, they need the black community to pray for them and to sacrifice for them. Of course, that's a false gospel if there ever was one. Forgiveness for the sins of racism is found in Christ and Christ alone. That preacher is one who has not clung to the Lord's testimonies. There are many like him out there. The psalmist isn't one of them. The psalmist says, I cling to your testimonies. In verse 32, the psalmist continues expressing his resolve. He says, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. No doubt we hear something of the Apostle Paul in this last verse. Philippians 3, Paul says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Right? Paul, too, says something like that, doesn't he? That I will not just, not just you know, walk, but I will run in your commandments. I will, I will press on. I will strain forward, Paul says. Right? It's all sort of the same sentiment. There's this, this eagerness about following after the Lord. And the psalmist says that, that that'll be true about him. But when will it be true about him? When will it be true about him? Only when God gives him grace to do so, right? He will only run in the way of God's commandments when the Lord enlarges his heart. We are so desperate, so, so, so desperate always for God to work in us and for God to open our hearts and to enable us to follow hard after him. I thought it interesting how in this fourth section of Psalm 119, we see the delicate balance of divine sovereignty on the one hand and human responsibility on the other hand. We see the balance of that which God must do and of that which God alone can do. Okay? He, he alone gives life according to His Word. He must teach us His statutes. He must make us understand His precepts. He must make us, or He must strengthen us by His Word. He must graciously teach us His law. He must enlarge our hearts, okay? That's what God does and what God must do. But then we see our part as well, don't we? We, we, we must recognize that apart from God, our souls cling to dust and melt away in sorrow. And realizing that, we must choose the way of faithfulness. We must set God's rules ever before us. We must cling to God's testimonies. We must run in the way of God's commandments through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And dear friends, I pray. I pray that God's grace has such an effect on us this week. I pray that God, by His grace, enlarges each and every one of our hearts so that we can't help but run, not walk, but run, press on toward the goal by which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Our great and awesome God, we do confess with the psalmist that our souls cling to dust apart from You. 
And we pray, we pray, Lord, that you would give us life by your word. We pray that you would raise us up from the dust and make us into people who can run in the way of your commandments. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand for the parting blessing, and then we'll sing our closing song together. Dear friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He turn His face toward you and grant you His peace. Amen. We're going to close with Glorify Thy Name. That's number 29. If you need the book, we'll sing all three verses together. Thank you.